So moving on. So, um, so suffice it to say, the public service, um, all branches of the public service, as far as I'm aware, are fully on board with this, including BOM. And so, as you say, they're actually distorting our our, our temperature records in right. order to kind of smush it into the climate narrative. Yeah. Well, right, the, what are we looking at here? Which causes me most distress about the public service is that it is heavily unionised. And the union is actually the, you know, the, the, the stormtroopers of the Labor Party. The Labor Party mm. is the political arm of the unions. The oh, yep. Labor I'm, Party, I'm, since the 1800s, has had a close association with Marxism and communism. Yes. And it, it is to this day. Anthony Albanese was a prominent member of the Communist Party when he was at university. Mm. And it is no coincidence that Mayo, who is an overt communist, was one of the major faces on the Yes campaign. This whole yes, Thomas Mayo, who who was very that I, I think that was um that was perhaps some of the more more uh, powerful clips that that were shared that really strengthened the no vote was actually yes. hearing these people we, in their we, own words. We really came close to destroying this country if they yeah. had been able to fiddle with the the uh, constitution. Now, I want I want section 51 subsection 26 which confers upon the federal government the right to make special laws on the basis of a citizen's race I want that removed from our constitution oh, I 100% agree yeah. have confronted a number of politicians about this and none of them are interested that yeah. tells you about our yeah. politicians right yeah. that, we, we, we cannot we cannot essentially entrench racism not in our constitution yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah because of its existence and because of its legacy, I believe we need a clause in our constitution that specifically prohibits government at all levels, and I stress at all levels, and all government-funded agencies from discriminating on the basis of a citizen's race or gender. That should I be could not agree more. And by the way, I, I loathe the word gender. It's called sex. You know, we're yeah, a sexually yeah. dimorphic species. There are males and there are females. This, yeah. this word gender just needs to be absolutely, you know, excised from, from the lexicon because it's nonsense. And I, I, you know, sorry, this is not a criticism of you, Kevin, but I refuse to use the word gender because it is basically, you know, it is a neo-Marxist term. So, yeah, uh, discrimination on, on the basis of... I've always avoided using the word sex because it could be confused with copulation or intercourse. Yes, yeah, pe people kind of go, ooh, it's like a rude word, but no, so it's biological sex. Lent to the polite word of gender, but I don't mind. Yeah. I'm so you know the it's, sex. It's, of it's, it's, it's been hijacked, though. That term has been hijacked. So um, I'm, I'm I, I'm glad you raised the issue of the unions again, by the way, Kevin, because I, I meant to mention this before. But the the unions were absolutely shocking during the uh, during oh, yeah. the fake pandemic, and yes. um, I, it's really good to see the rise of of um of of uh, red union. You know, providing an alternative to these kind of you know labor affiliated um labor party sorry affiliated unions that as you say are, are just um um another arm of, of of the octopus you know they they did not represent workers rights that is no. the you know the the labor party affiliated unions they did not represent workers rights they did not stand up for their members who who um you know, who did not want to have an experimental substance injected into their body. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the unions, you know, the the old unions can just go and burn in hell if, if there is such a place. So, um, and, um, you know, I... I really am excited to, to see the, the rise of, you know, AMPS and all the other, um, 
uh, alternatives to unions for nurses and teachers and police officers and so forth that, that Red Unions is providing. For anyway, the interest so of every police officer listening to this, I personally contacted the heads by telephone and by writing of every police union in this country and not one of them was prepared to say this shouldn't happen to our police officers. I happen to love the police. I believe that they are the thin line between order and chaos and we should look after them. We are blessed in this country in the main to have excellent, extraordinary police officers. And Down so at, you know, many of them foot. were driven out of the force because yes. of COVID. Yes, either, so, because, either because of the jab mandate or you were contributing $300 a year to did nothing for you and would not stand up for you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway, moving on. We all right. <laughs> oh, Climate Gate. Yes, yes. For those for those who haven't um, heard of, of of Climate Gate, do you want to just give a little capsule summary of of, of what Climate Gate was? Yeah. Look, what it comes down to is it demonstrated that our so called climate scientists are corrupt. That mm. they had a narrative which they had embarked upon and they may have found out that, oh, this isn't actually the case, but my reputation is now in danger. So instead of passing up and saying, look, we've made a silly mistake, they dug, they dug deeper in the hole they were in. And these mm. emails were released by somebody who uh, said, look, really, this is not on. We've got to let the public know that the so-called climate scientists are up and up liars and fraudsters. And that's Absolutely. what's going on here. These climate gate emails showed that the climate, the, the so-called climate scientists were colluding together to create a false narrative. They were hiding mm. reality from the public. They, they weren't just forging data, um, although, you know, that's that's bad enough. It was also that they they had got control of the editorial bodies of all the uh, all the, the scientific journals that published, you know, yes. studies on this subject. And they yes. stacked the peer review boards of, of those so that, you know, anyone who submitted a paper that actually challenged this 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 narrative could not even get it accepted for, for peer review. They just wouldn't be published. Um and and this is this is you know a huge part of crafting the narrative is basically say well everyone agrees with us well actually a lot of people didn't agree but they could not get published and then of course because they can't get published that means they lose funding they can't get you know they, they put in grant applications but their grant applications get denied and so they either they either you know leave that field and go study something else or if they want to get their grants funded so that they can actually you know afford to live um they fall in line with the narrative anyway so um <laughs> <laughs> climate gate look it up folks um uh james corbett if you if you just type in corbettreport.com and um and then look in the search bar for, for climate gate or, or just generally climate you uh, james corbett has uh, has put an amazing amount of work documenting this whole um climate narrative it was it was uh actually from him that i learned about the whole morris strong angle too so okay now what are we looking at here kevin you amaze me, Robin, with the depth of your knowledge. Maybe you should be doing this presentation because you're bang on target every time. You came up with Morris Strong. You've just come up with uh, Corbett. I mean, it, you're, you're right on the target. I, I didn't go there. I, I actually planned for this to be a, a shorter presentation. but Yeah, I'm sorry. I keep dragging you off track. So, no, so, um, it's, so we've it's got... Having uh, a so, listeners are too. 
you, you might have to edit this and and cut it down a bit. But anyway, look, this is the raw data from the remote sensing satellites, which, by the way, were plagued with heaps of problems such that the error bars are of such magnitude one cannot actually draw any sort of conclusion with any any uh, so, problem. So these are these are satellites that are um, what? Sorry, well, that that um, that y-axis there. That is that. What's that measuring? Is that carbon dioxide? No, no, that's the temperature. That's temperature. Okay, so yes. these are like low Earth orbit satellites, are they? Yeah, they're, they're, they are. And what they're doing is they're measuring the rate at which um, I think their oxygen atoms are vibrating, and through gotcha. that, they're able okay. to determine what the temperature is at that particular altitude. Right. So we see a downward trend in temperature, and then on the next slide. Yep on the on the next one. That's what they did to the day. <laughs> Fiddling the numbers, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and I could take you through Bernoulli's theorem and all that sort of stuff. Uh, there are actually three components to the amount of energy, which, by the way, in thermodynamics terms, is called enthalpy. The that's yep. the thermal heat, the kinetic energy, and the potential energy, which is the air pressure. So it, it's much more complicated than this. But they use temperature as an indicator of how much energy is in a particular cell of air. Okay, this is the RSS unadjusted data, and you can see from 1996 when they started to uh, 2016 the effect of El Nino's, and that gives some uh, some comfort to hey, this might be pretty accurate. This is the raw data, mm -hmm. and notice that it's basically flatlining. Mm, no temperature. Take a particular part of that, which I did before, and I could show you that it's going down. I can yeah. take another part of it and show you that the temperature is going up. It just depends where you start measuring from. Right, 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 right. In other words, where's where you? Know, what do you plot on that x-axis? Where do you start? Yeah. When you finish? Okay, but yeah. you can also see that there is this there is this sort of fairly regular pattern of fluctuation between the La Ninas and, and and the El Ninos, and um, I presume this this goes back you know a long time that we fluctuate yes. between the cycles. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Now. This is from a fellow called Carl Mears, um, and, and, uh, this is really, really terrible. The, the yellow is what's predicted by the models. The blue yep. is what Mears actually got, but the, the, the blue is the error bar, right? Yep. In other yep. words, yep. you should draw a black line through the middle of all of that blue to get, you know, what might be close to the truth. But, but an error bar is an error bar. So if I was to say, no, look, what I'll do is back in 1980, things were uh, working a heck of a lot better, hence the error bar is narrow there. I was going to say, it's clear that the error bar is actually increasing in size as we go yeah. on. Why, why is that? Uh, because of the problems that they were experiencing with their measuring systems. Gotcha. Okay. See that, and, and, and most people would be thinking, hang on a minute, isn't our technology more advanced now than it was nah, in 1980? Nah, that was all, that was all um, you know, Frontline technology. It had a lot of wrinkles that they're trying to work out, like the Hubble telescope. Yeah, but gotcha. It, gotcha. Okay. He took all of the top of the error bar and said, oh, that's the actual figure when it's not. Mm. The and oh, that's fraud. I see. No, yeah. but that's fraud. So if you go if you go from the top of the error bar, it actually looks like the prediction, but but in fact, yeah, uh, it's it, at the, it, the middle. Yeah, if you go to yeah. the middle, it's like nowhere near it. All right. So yeah. If I was wow. to, if were to draw a line from the bottom of the thickest part of that blue line over on the right-hand side to mm -hmm. the top, 
of the uh, error bar back at the beginning of this in 1980, I end up with a temperature that's going down, not up. Yeah. It's yeah, actually diverging away. Yeah. Yep, 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 so, yep. Gotcha. What, mm -hmm. what comes out of this is you really can't make any sort of solid decision at this moment. You need more data. There's no, mm -hmm. no definite mm -hmm. signal. Yeah. Okay. So your your take on this is is look, I can't say for sure whether you know the Earth's average temperature, which again, what the hell does that mean? But I, I can't say for sure whether it's going up, whether it's going down, or whether it's flatlining, and 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 therefore, you know, we should not be making policies based on based on Earth temperature increasing. We should actually work harder to get more accurate data. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm. And and this it, this is a little sophisticated, but they changed the wording. This is in things like the IPCC. Yeah, they changed the wording um, where they say that after 1998, the observations are likely to be below the simulated values, indicating yep. that the simulation as a whole are predicting too much warming. And they they basically watered that down in the yeah, in the didn't they ever? Well, one of the things that I I remember um james corbett talking about with uh with the ipcc is that when when morris strong initially um convened that convened the ipc ipcc there were uh there were three committees and one of them was the scientific committee and the 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 second i can't remember and the third was was basically the uh like the uh, the committee that was uh, to produce policy recommendations, right? And the thing was, the policy recommendations group, they actually wrote their report before the the technical report was written. And, <laughs> then, and then the scientists writing the technical report had to basically write their technical report to fit into the policy recommendations that had already been written. That's right. <laughs> as soon as you learn that, it's like the whole thing is is just it's so clearly a scam that it is. Uh, yeah and then the other the other thing was actually um and correct me if i'm wrong on this because uh, I, I may have the actual uh the actual body but i i believe that it is it is the ipcc's remit to uh to study anthropogenic uh st sorry um to study only that part of global temperature change that is attributable to human activity um, am I am I correct on that? I may yeah, be butchering you're, the word. You're right. that, they, they, it's it's all like when you hold a royal commission and you uh, read the terms of reference. Define so your terms of reference. You can't yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. In the right yeah. direction. And so, if you're only funding research on the the human attributable um, uh, proportion of yeah. of climate change or carbon dioxide uh, uh, concentration or whatever the hell it is that you're studying, if you're not studying the rest of it, you don't know how big or small of a role that that human activity is playing in that. Um, and and that is even if you could possibly isolate that portion of, of of climate change that is attributable to human activity, which I don't know how you could if you're not studying the uh, the, the entire topic area, including the effect of things like you know that tilt on the Earth's axis, the the Milankovitch cycles, and the um um and the uh, the the changes in you know uh, oceanic patterns and so forth. Anyway, so um. Scam from back to front. All right, what are we looking at here? Measured average. Oh, this is ground temperatures. Yep. It's the average ground temperature. And you you were right when you were talking about in the 1930s, there was the Dust Bowl, and you can see yeah. that. Look at that huge peak. peak. And, and, and then, then again in the 50s. It's off and it's dropping off. 
Yeah. This is what they reported. <laughs> oh, my God. It's flashing back. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of these does not look like the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's scandalous. Yeah. Okay, this is oh, close okay. to me. This is Lismore. Uh, we had a terrific flood here in 2022, which was the result, <laughs> direct result of government incompetence. But instead of government saying, oh, look, we've been remiss in that we should have built a dam back in 1954 when we bought all the land around Danoon Creek uh, and we should have uh, kept the Tuckumbill Canal open because it uh, allows 75% of the flood water from Lismore to flow directly to Lennox Head and out the sea where it does virtually no damage. We should have dredged the Richmond River so that the water could flow easily. We should have put in diversions along the Richmond River directly out the sea. Instead of all of that, it's climate change. Well, mm. I went and looked at this at the rainfall record and you will see that up until 2022, there's been virtually no change. And in fact, if anything, it's getting a little drier. The worst uh, yeah. wettest year was in 1893. And the really uh, sensible thing would be, like, don't build your, your town on a floodplain. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be a floodplain. That's just my point. When the mm. Duckenbill Canal, when it was open, we didn't get serious flooding here where I'm sitting. Oh, sure. Right, 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 right. Okay. The Greenies yeah. came along and closed the Tuckenbill Canal. And there so you go. The okay. water, which would normally go down the Tuckenbill Canal, came down here. They built a highway where the culverts got jammed up with vegetation and then the water from that was banked up behind along the highway made its way down here, coincidentally, at the same time the floodwaters arrived from Lismore. So we got a double bang. Oh, boy. Yep, yep, yep. But, but it, honestly, it's just government incompetence, and it's going on. They're talking of spending $700 million in this area to raise houses and relocate people. It mm. would cost us $200 million to build the Danoon Dam, and we would right. have water security. Yes, but you can't build dams because then you're going to flood habitat and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, but that's the other, this is the other nonsense as well. Water brings life. And, and what's more, when you build a dam like the Danoon Dam, you then have to quarantine a large tract of land around Danoon mm -hmm. so you can't have industrial activity or pollution running into yes. your dam. Gotcha. Dams bring yes. a plethora of bird life. They bring oh, along all so the lizards, the yeah. goannas, yeah. And, and, and all the wild animals, right? That, that, believe me, if you build a dam, you actually put the nature on steroids. This idea of, oh, if we build a dam, we're desecrating nature, that is baloney, absolute mm. baloney. You only have to go to Lake Pedder to see what an incredible place it is now in terms of wildlife. It is just gobsmackingly beautiful, yeah. right? And yeah. that's what will happen here. But, but once again, we're being driven by communists mm. and Marxists, people and, who do and, not have yeah. our interests at, at heart. That's so clear. I, I, so I, I wanted to say too, just, just quickly, you know, what what comes to my mind when I look at that Lismore rain record is is when, when did Dorothea McKellar write? You know, I love a sunburnt country. You know, there's your droughts and flooding rains. Um, <laughs> so from from above above two thousand millimeters per annum down to five hundred. Yeah, 
yeah, that that's it. Like she was writing about this. I, yeah. I don't know how old that poem is, but but you know, this is nothing new. That's what I'm saying. This is nothing yeah. new. This is this is a continent with extreme weather patterns. Yeah. Okay. What so we'd sorry. like to do is with that seven hundred million dollars, and I believe it's achievable. We could organise that responsible amounts of water are taken from this area, which mm-hmm. has a surfeit of water, and yep. we could put it to the west. If we did that, we could open up an area as large as the Murrumbidgee irrigation area. It would it would put our food production, you know, it would have done it would double our food production capability, which we uh, can that that wouldn't fit with the we're way past Earth's carrying capacity and we just don't have enough land no. to grow no. food for all the people, Kevin. So we have to reduce the population. Yeah, so that that's what's wrong with your idea. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked too well. All right. Um, and you where the dotted blue line, which, by the way, is using exaggerated measurements, which we've already dealt with, yes. is with the exaggerated measurements, it's the the reality is way below what the IPCC it's so is. far off the models, so far below yeah. the models, all okay. of the models. Yeah. yeah. And so, in other words, the models are a garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, and re- I really recommend to listeners that they listen to Jordan Peterson talking with uh, Professor Dr. Richard Lindzen. Um, and he is fabulous. Uh, I, and everything he says, I absolutely agree with. It, it uh, coincides with exactly what I've been taught and what I've practiced. Mm, mm. All the atmosphere is in 1979 is having, oh, sorry, uh, I'm just looking to see when this was written, but the Northern Hemisphere is having one of its snowiest winters since records began. 2020, so March 20, 2020, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and that if people are talking about how the ice caps are melting, they are not. Mm. Uh, this is Northern Hemisphere snow extent, 1967 to 2020. It's, mm. it's a good trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, severity of cyclones. The severity of cyclones are decreasing over the last four decades, so much for the climate crisis. Yes. I believe it, um, I believe it was Judith Curry who said the the uh what is it that the frequency of the storms is decreasing but the severity is increasing i might have that inverted anyway you know there is a change over time but but the net result is actually less damage yes yeah look, less damage to, to human life and and and, 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 and the severity are dropping off at this moment but by the way that could change I mean, yeah. it, it, all I'm saying is that anybody who is, uh, you know, saying uh, that it, it's a catastrophe and the world's going to... The, the IPCC report itself specifically says that we have found no evidence exactly. that there's been an increase in extreme weather events. Um, yep. I know Mal- Malcolm Roberts, again, was, was was up in the Senate saying, you know, <laughs> saying, hang on a minute, here's what the IPCC says. We don't have any evidence of, of an increase in, in you know, uh, catastrophic weather events li- linked to, you know, climate change. And then all the government bureaucracies are, are saying, yes, there is an increase in extreme weather events. It's like, you know, where, where's this science you're following? No. <laughs> and of course, their answer is, well, we, we checked with the other department and they agreed with us. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I asked my mate and he reckons I'm right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And I you see that where uh, I think it was... Um, uh, Senator Roberts asked the head of that department that's basically overseeing the destruction of Australia. He gets paid 900 plus thousand a year. It's, it's obscene. And the guy's an idiot. Our, our taxpayers' money just, just you know, just being yeah. torched. Yeah. It's burning. Uh, oh, so this is, this is the wildfires. Um, yeah. Okay. 
and, and you and I, I've already dealt extensively that if we could get back into our national forests and have proper logging there using yeah. companies that, uh, you know, operate on a tender basis um, and, and, to, and to rules, uh, yes. we would keep this right down. And you can see again, you know, that the wildfire, um, the, the, the loss of acreage to wildfires really, oh, I'm sorry, I think we've got a delay. Um, no, no, that's the, okay. The, uh, the loss of, of, of acreage uh, peaked in that period in the 30s when there was a, a temperature spike. Yeah, and it was not only the temperature spike, there wasn't proper management of yeah. the forest. Gotcha. They didn't have yep, the resources, yep, yep, yep. they didn't have the people. Yep. We have the resources, yep. but we don't do proper forestry management and hazard reduction. Yep, yep. Okay, drought severity in the US. It's it's not got worse, if anything, it's got less. Mm -hmm. Australia, mm -hmm. this is up to 2010. And by the way, these can change, but the reality is at this time from 1900 to 2013, droughts have become less severe. We still have mm. like droughts. But they mm, are mm, yeah, than what the poor people had to put up with during the 20s and 30s, yeah, and for yeah. that matter. It was a large part of what drove the Depression, apart from world economic activity. I've actually run this guy, Daniel Fitzhenry. He's a real person, and he is highly credible. And what this says is that from 1914 to the present day, approximately, it might be 2018 or whatever, the Pacific Ocean has actually dropped by 60 millimetres. Yes. The water is this not. This is right. measured at Fort Denison. I've seen those photos. Did you say like, "Where's the climate change? There's no rising sea levels uh, here." Well, uh, I, I asked him about this, and and he said, "Look, what I have done is taken into account the alignment of the planets because the planets also affect the height of tides as well as the moon, mm. not to the yes. same. Gotcha. But you have to take them into account, and once you take them into account, you find that up to 2019." the uh, water level has dropped by 60 millimetres. Mm, mm, mm. And being told, and, and by the way, Australia is paying millions of dollars to the Pacific Islanders on the scam that somehow global warming is causing them to no longer have a place to live, when in fact most of the islands have increased by in area by about 25%. Yeah. And that's because they're actually rising up out of the water. Yes, not I was going to say again. I mean, there's this whole simplifying of of these complex atmospheric interactions down to CO two is just nonsense because you've got tectonic plates that are actually, you know, moving, uh, pushing, uh, you know, pushing areas of of, of land up closer to other areas of land. Um, you've got, of course, the undersea volcanoes. So yeah, yeah. Um, oh right. So okay, we've we've got we've got tide gauges from Northern Territory, West Australia, South Australia, all over the country. Yep. yep. And it goes from about a, a 1960, approximately, I would say 1965, through to 2010. And you will notice that there is no real change of anything. There is a slight decrease in some. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at say Mackay and Townsville, and they are ticking up. But I'm just, I'm just looking at at you know previous highs. It looks like they are ticking ticking up to previous highs logged in in the early 90s, early 1990s. Um, now, recently, they have started working out how far a tide gauge is from the centre of the Earth. It's sort of like important because if the land around the tide gauge is going up then the ocean is falling and if the tide gauge is 
being you know subsiding then it appears as though the oceans are rising Gosh, you need yeah. to measure the distance from the center of the earth another confusion or confounder in this is the fact that the earth's shape is changing still changing as a consequence mm -hmm. of the ice having melted from the last ice age where there were mm -hmm. kilometers of ice on certain parts of the world mm -hmm. which are no longer there does so, the does the shift in polarity have anything to do with with this by the way sorry that was just a random thought that popped into my head um reversal of the of the magnetic poles oh now that's a good one um the magnetism of the earth actually repels cosmic rays if the earth's mm -hmm. magnetic field flips as it did 65 million years ago yes. guess what happened 65 million years ago dinosaur extinction well, the dinosaurs died yeah. the cockroaches those things that lived underground survived yeah right 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 okay okay so we should hope that the magnetic field if it does flip it flips quickly because if it doesn't we're all going to get roasted by cosmic yeah, rays practice, aren't we god all right <laughs> well that's a reassuring thought <laughs> and honestly uh robin the more i get involved in science the more i think I, I i become spiritual i'm not i'm not telling you that there's a god a great you know a person up there in the Big daddy in the sky and all that stuff after us specifically but all of these things that have happened they are just to me amazing because they have caused us to exist without that without this strong magnetic field that we have around the earth we would get roasted by cosmic rays mm. and no, no mm would live on this yeah planet. yeah it really it, it is um it is quite extraordinary when you look at all the other planets that have been discovered yeah. and the fact that there is no life like the the number of factors that needed to line up to support life on this planet it really does really does make you you know question the idea of of, of total randomness or me anyway so i'll speak for myself um yeah, yeah we're looking what, what, what are we looking at here we've got a number of different um Oh, yeah. I'm gathering like a number of different measurement systems for tides, yeah? Yeah. When the CSIRO took over, they used a different datum point. And the consequence yes. was that there was a 48 millimetre rise. It yeah. didn't, it, it basically, it we didn't have the world right you know the, the water rise by 48 yeah. millimeters it, it, it's all about what you're measuring with and and i mean for, from my field um health science we see so many examples of this i mean for instance if a person gets their bone mineral density tested on one particular device and then that very same day they go get it tested on another device there can be a discrepancy of up to 20 percent so yeah. a person could be told oh you have serious osteoporosis um which by the way is a total bollocks diagnosis but anyway um you need to go on these medications but then the other the other place they got their bone mineral density measured at might say no you're actually you know you're actually fine maybe a bit low normal but but you're okay um and it's the same in virtually every other uh well sorry i could give you so many more examples of this the point is the instrument that you're using to measure the thing that you're interested in um it makes an enormous difference to to the readout again it's like um it, it's not exactly garbage in garbage out but you need you need to you need to have some method of a sort of calibrating or, or integrating these different systems otherwise you get nonsense um like we exactly. see on this chart where it appears that suddenly <laughs> the, the tides were, were were nearly five centimeters higher yeah okay this, you've mentioned before about ice that you that on the left hand side we have 1989 then we have uh you notice it's all the 11th of may same time each year same time of the year yep 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 
And the last one is 2022, I think. I've just mm -hmm. moved. Uh, oops, I, I, I did something wrong there. My apologies. I'm trying, and now I've got it. Um, I'm just trying to move me out of the way there. Uh, yeah, it is 2022. Now, if you look at the ice in 2022, you can see that it's actually grown mm. a little. If you look up um, to the top left-hand area, uh, below where Russia is written, over on the yep. sea, you, you notice how big it's gotten? Yes, 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 absolutely. Okay. So for my, um, I, I, I had a comment, I'm sure you saw it on the uh, on the post where I asked for people's questions, of someone who is absolutely insistent that Arctic sea ice area has has, has decreased. Um, what, what, is, what is that person seeing that's different to what you and I are looking at right now? Well, they're listening to people. There are people... Oh. I, I listened to the ABC the other day. I usually don't, but I'm planning on actually doing a, a podcast where I take apart what uh, Jennifer Morgan, who is an American, who has now been adopted by the Germans to be their climate czar at the mm -hmm. UN or the IPCC. I'm not sure which, but uh, she's a lady who holds a degree in arts, and that, of course, makes yeah, her that's a good background. <laughs> Talk that, about. That's pretty much the background all the fact checkers have, as I understand it. <laughs> People yeah. with BA, you know, writing fact checks on. Well, on, it was on, just one BA long classes, right? litany of of rubbish that that came out, and and the ABC commentator was lapping it up and adding to the conversation yeah. and so forth. And I'm thinking, my God, this is our national broadcaster, and they are effectively prop propagandists for the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. benefiting the Chinese yeah. Communist Party. I've actually written to Ita Bastros in the past, and to her credit, she wrote back to me and actually hand-addressed hand the envelope and hand-signed the envelope, yeah. uh, the, uh, the letter. letter. And, yeah. and, you know, I said to her, look, this is what's happening to power prices. The, the, here's a graph of temperature, and the temperatures are actually dropping. Um, mm. Please go back to your people and tell them to do some proper research. She wrote to me saying that she'd handed it to the management team and, of course, it just continued on as if I'd never written to her. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm very disappointed. I met Ita's uh, uncle here. He's a lovely fellow and I suspect that Ita too is a lovely person, but unfortunately she's, she's, kind of, she's, she's, just a she's working for the devil. Yeah, uh, yeah. The they, they are destroying Australia. Yeah. Now, this is something which should... It, it, to me, it's very interesting. I, as a mechanical engineer, I loved the P-38. It was the most amazing aircraft, the engineering mm. behind it. But they had to crash land on Greenland, and when they went back to try and get one of these planes to rebuild it some, uh, most probably 50 years later, it was under 300 feet of ice. That's so the ice is melting. How did this plane end up under 300 feet of ice? Just to play devil's advocate, is is this a glaciated area? Could a glacier have moved no. over? Oh, no, no, it's not. No. Right. Okay. So this, this is... Anyway, that the, the planes would have made their way towards the sea to be three hundred feet under the under the ice. Yeah, I right, mean, right, right. Feet right. under the ice is three hundred feet under the ice. Somehow yeah. the ice got on top of the, the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely three hundred feet. I mean, ooh, that's a lot of ice. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, so sunspot activity. Yeah. 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 Now, somebody said that when a sun, when you've got sunspots, they're cooler parts of the sun. Yes, that was actually one of my regular commenters, um, Robin, who is a, a, a another Robin, um, and she is a smart cookie. Yeah. So, so her point was when you see the picture that we have on the right there absence of, of, of sunspots or, or lower number of sunspots um yes. the, the sun is actually emitting less less heat and therefore temperatures on earth are cooler so that's correct yeah and i've i've heard this i've heard about this grand solar minimum that we're heading for a grand solar minimum which means temperatures yep. are going to decrease let's deal with one thing at a time firstly yeah, the, <laughs> when you have lots of sunspots the sun is irradiating a heck of a lot more radiation than when you don't have sunspots the so sunspot, what are those sunspots? What's actually happening there on the on the sun? Storms. That, gotcha. that means that it's bubbling like crazy, like a molten cauldron. It's like just a giant volcano. Yeah. You get yeah. these huge solar flares coming out when you've got massive sunspot activity. And yeah. and if a solar flare hits hits, I was going to say hits Australia, hits the world, uh, it can zero all of your electronic equipment. You know, the, the EMP that those things bring, the electromagnetic yep. pulse yep. that is brought by a solar flare is quite amazing. Mm -hmm. We actually had one back in the 1800s. Evidently, you know, the electricity flowed down all the telegraph wires and everything and caused Ooh. people to get shocked. But yep. just, just to, to get rid of that rumour, uh, a sun with lots of sunspots is in a shed load of turbulence. And is okay. off a heck of a lot more radiation than a quiet sun, which is which the one means Earth Earth gets a lot hotter during that during yeah. that time. Well, once again, as uh, Professor Richard Linson and Happer have pointed out, we have numerous sort of feedback loops. Luckily, this comes brings me back to this creation thing. You know, I just look at all the sorts of things that all work together to allow us to exist. And one of them is water vapour. If, mm. if it's hot, more water goes up into the air, more clouds, it reflects the radiation, it causes rain, yada, yada, yada. You know, it, it's yeah. not... Yeah. In other words, there's a there's a complex feedback cycle. Yeah. And and that and that will tend to limit um significant changes in in climate or will tend to sort of correct i suppose so so it, it gets hotter there's more evaporation there's more clouds and then the clouds kind of bounce radiation back which cools things down as uh, as well as increasing the amount of rainfall did i get any of that wrong or no no uh, bang on target exactly that and and the the big takeaway is that there are so many different influences that influence the climate on earth it utterly yeah. confounds people to predict what's going to happen. Yeah. And this is the problem with the models because, you know, you, at least with the technology we currently have, you cannot possibly create a model that actually incorporates all of these different um, factors, whether that be, you know, tectonic shifts, whether that be the Milankovitch cycles, whether that be the, the, the sunspots, the cloud formation, like to try to create a model that, that incorporates all of these different influences. Um, I, I suppose, you know, it is possible to, to do such a, a, a thing with enough computing power, but that sure as hell isn't what the IPCC is doing. Well, and, and Professor Richard Linson and also the latest uh, Nobel laureate, uh, Professor Clauser, have both... Yeah, I believe got cancelled. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but he said <laughs> wrong thing. <laughs> the models do not take into account the change of state of water on this planet. They don't take it into account. I'm gobsmacked. That, that is bonkers. That is bonkers. I mean, that's such a major, major influence. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, look, this shows you 16 celestial influences that affect the Earth's climate. Good God. Uh, the, the, and most probably in descending order of, of um, magnitude, e.g. that the lunar orbital cycles have, have a very great effect on the Earth's climate. The yes. Schwab is really interesting. That's the orbit of Jupiter, and it, it is related. The sun's cycles go in in tune with the Schwab cycle, and uh, that is actually the gravitational effect that Jupiter has on our sun. And so, in other words, the tail wags the dog to some extent. Yeah, and I see the um, the the number of years for each cycle is is like there's a huge variation. Oh, right. So I see you've got them um, in in ascending order of just how long. Yeah, yeah I believe so. And, and again, I mean, you know, creating a model that takes all of this into account. I, I guess once again, with enough computing power, you you, you could do this. But who is actually you know, inputting all of this into their model. This this is yeah. just extraordinary. Now, the third one, the magnetic field reversal of the sun, on the sun is what yeah. uh, Professor Dr. Valentina Zarkova's team have now modelled, and, and their model, it appears, is fairly accurate. This mm. magnetic field is really significant because the sun goes yeah. through a cycle. Yeah. Oh, before we even go there, though, you we've talked many times about what happens with um, influences. Mm. And here we've got billiard balls all oscillating at a different rate. Yes, they will all let go at the, the exact same moment. Yeah. I should have actually not had the sound in there, but you can see that they, you're getting all of these really strange patterns. Well, that is exactly what happens to yes. the climate on Earth, all the other, all the influences are asynchronous. They're not in tune with each other, and depending on where you are in the millennium, you will will have different patterns happening. Yeah, yeah. This is I I watched it because you sent me this um, um, last night, and I I I watched this through, and it's just absolutely fascinating how you get all of these different patterns forming, and you know there there appear to be moments of chaos, and then. You know, it quickly goes back into an ordered pattern, but but it cycles through various different patterns. Um, so yeah, yeah. What what looks what what might appear at any given moment to be chaos is actually just um, perhaps a, a stopping point in between one ordered cycle and the next. It's just that we can't see it depending on on where you know what moment in time we're looking at it. Um, Right. Now, see, okay. This is this is the sun cycles. There are eleven year cycles affected by the orbit of Jupiter. And you will notice that the sun's output is getting less and less and less. But this is the grand solar um, minimum that we're looking well, at. No, it's actually the solar minimum, not the grand solar minimum. And oh. I'll get to why it's grand in a we'll moment. get to that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So by 2037, we're going to be putting our winter woolies on here in, in central Queensland. Ooh, I don't like the sound of that. Okay. We've, we've, uh, we've had a solar minimum in the 1800s, but we haven't had a grand solar minimum for 343 years. Yeah. The minimum was the Maunder minimum. And yes, and this, this this was when um so this was during Elizabethan times, right? When when people were actually skating right. on the Thames, like it was frozen over. They had winter yeah. markets on the on the River Thames. Yep. 
Yeah. So look, we're, in 2025, you can see that it's going to get really cold. Uh, but by 2037, it's going to get very cold. Um, and what's, so what's really interesting? Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at where 2030 lies on that, and as you know, 2030 is a is is a big year for these um these 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 people that we've been obliquely referring to, <laughs> and so so we can see there's a big dip in 2025, and then it gets warmer after that. So so the first thing I was thinking of is whoa, if 2025 is going to be that cold, what does that do to the whole climate change narrative? But then of course you get this uptick in temperature, and they get to say, see see, we told you the earth is really getting warmer <laughs> by 2030 or yeah. they they look because we reduced all of our emissions it's getting colder yeah right 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 so so you you just bend the data to like what 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 was that saying you know torturing the data until it confesses yeah um true <laughs> uh, mm. so anyway now what makes a solar minimum grand cosmic yep. rays when the magnetic field of the sun collapses, and this is what Professor Darkova's team have worked out, that there are, I think, four generators within the sun that create a magnetic field. And when those four counteract each other, the sun's magnetic field collapses or goes to near collapse. That causes more cosmic rays to enter the solar system, which in turn results in more cosmic rays impacting on the Earth's upper atmosphere. When cosmic rays impact on the Earth's upper atmosphere, they cause cloudiness. And this mm -hmm. cloudiness reflects the sun's radiation, mm -hmm. accentuating the already declined output of the sun. That's what makes it grand. And we're in for a whopper. If, if what, what, when is this predicted to occur? The grand, the next, the, the NADAR will be 2035 by my calculations. Now, Professor Zarkova has said basically, around 2030 going 2040 uh, she's mm -hmm. she's been a little more liberal but i reckon on the basis of what i'm seeing that somewhere around uh 2035 will be the nadir but the reason i say that is that there is an inertia in the earth's biosphere and so although things have you know like the radiation has dropped right off a cliff we've still got heat here and we've got ocean currents, and they will sustain us. So the, the actual temperature lags behind the lack of radiation, if you understand what I mean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, but believe me, between 2030 and 2040, I have every confidence that Professor Zarkova is right on the money. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're getting. And this further reinforces, we're now starting to get spectacular displays of cosmic rays hitting the Earth's magnetosphere. That's mm. what this is. That's what causes these amazing displays. Okay. This was a doozy. Yeah. I, yes. I saw this being shared around on, on the space formerly known as Twitter. And um this was just extraordinary. So this this was a this was a study that was published in Lancet, right? That's right. They they fiddled with the scales. Yeah. This is the this is the real scale where the scale yeah. on the left and the right are exactly the same. We can they, see just how many more people die of cold than die of heat. Yes, in developed countries, effectively, that's from Denmark yes. down to southern Europe. Yep. But yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. And you can see that very few people die of heat. A hell of mm. a lot of people in the highly populated areas die of cold and mm. cold. 
and I could take you through that because I've studied virology. And, do you um do you happen to have the the original version of that? I'm, I oh, might yeah. I might just link to that when I send out the notes for this. Um, sure. Because yeah, the original version that was published in the Lancet, as you say, they um they they fiddled with the scale and made it look yes. as though heat related deaths were on par with cold related deaths. When when in That's reality, right. you know, uh, just far more far more people die of cold than extreme cold than extreme heat. Yeah. What I'm showing you here is that as we've injected more and more intermittent power into our grid, the cost of electricity has gone up and up and up and up. Intermittent power basically meaning solar and wind. Yeah, solar and wind. Yep. Because you imagine you're running a baseload facility, say a big coal electricity plant, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden someone's now putting in a gigawatt of mm. power from rooftops. I've got yep. to somehow drop my electricity production by a gigawatt yep. how am i going to do yep. that well first off what i do is i inject it into the ground i just basically pour my electricity into the ground okay. i also at the same time let off the steam pressure on my turbines and slow my turbines down but you cannot easily shut down a coal-fired power station a gas one and a diesel one are far more reactive but they're That's also yes. much more expensive about 30 the gas is about 30 percent more expensive than coal brown coal in particular uh mm -hmm. and diesel, i have no idea most probably twice as expensive um this is what's happened to we've got a, we've got a, i put there a 1.3 trillion but i just received my tax rebate and they tell me that we're uh only 983 billion dollars in debt but if I add, but, but they, they, they probably they probably did with that extra couple of bill what the uh, uh, what the Australian Bureau of Statistics did with with the extra you know couple of thousand um, excess deaths. They just yeah. kind of do, do <laughs> a little bit of jiggery pokery with the numbers, and poof, you know, all those extra dead people just disappear. They they didn't really well, die, or they. I have to confess that I thought I was wrong, but I'm mistaken. <laughs> uh, it's 1.3 trillion uh and that is that you have to add the state's debt and oh I right i'm with you okay, okay. new mm. south wales is 93 billion with 53 by the way billion of unfunded liabilities mm. uh queensland as a consequence of milking the coal is not in such a bad state and western mm -hmm. australia thanks to milking the uh iron ore industry they're not is in such a bad state mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. all the work chappies uh and i include the berejiklian government in that uh, i have no time for them whatsoever you might notice that i'm something of a political agnostic i think they're all bloody terrible um mm. so yeah they've all led us to this one way or the other yeah this is what's happened as at 2018 electricity was costing six times more than it did in 2008 in real terms in other words measured against the consumer price yeah. index so so what what we're being told is that you know renewable energy uh is is, is capable of, of replacing so-called fossil fuel uh, generated energy that it will make the electricity supply cheaper and you know the evidence points in exactly the opposite it's okay and we're being lied to yet again by idiots by idiots now, for those for those who uh, for those who sort of watch so far and and are you know 
questioning or, or certainly are open to questioning the narrative that that you know increased carbon dioxide emissions are, are going to be the death of, of all of us um there might still be some who are saying yeah but what about all the other emissions from from coal-fired power plants you know what about the mercury that they put out what, what about the fine particulate matter and the effect that that has on people's health um what what, what would your response be to that we have scrubbers on the chimneys such that the air coming out of a coal-fired power station is to a very high level of purity. And you mentioned, for example, mercury. Another is sulfur dioxide. The sulfur dioxide can be used for making sulfuric acid, which is an essential oh. element but, for industry. So there is, there is technology for actually capturing those emissions Absolutely. and, and repurposing and them. Catch the mercury because it's used in various medicinal compounds and so forth. Um, yeah, no, we have scrubbers and mm -hmm. and our power stations, I think, I, you know, everybody, like Australians always say, we are the best in the world, but I think that's truly the case. I think yeah. that our power stations are among the best, if not the best in the world in terms of the purity of the air coming out of the power station. What you see out of the chimney is steam, moisture. Right. Okay. Okay. Which might still be, you know, a, a, a driver of some sort of climate, uh, you know, climatic alteration though. Cause as you said I before, water, well, if, if we haven't made it abundantly clear, um, before water vapor is a, is a primary driver of, of, of temperature yes. change. Right? Yes. Yeah. And I want, I want lots and lots of it. And I want to get it inland into, into the, oh. over the Western side of the Great Dividing Range. Because that would increase precipitation. Water security to everybody on the western side of the Great Dividing Range. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What that could do to our country, right? And instead of that, they are now spending $100 billion, well past what it would cost to divert responsible amounts of water from the eastern seaboard into the west. They're spending $100 plus billion buying crap from China Mm. Helping the Communist Party again, buying from Communist China mm. to desecrate and ruin our lands. And at the mm. end, of it, we're going to have all of this waste, which cannot be economically recycled. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's, it's not, I mean, this is toxic waste, right? Oh, there yeah. are many, many it, toxic elements in these solar panels. It, and I know the wind turbines can't be recycled because there's just so many toxic elements in them. And so, yeah, they're, they're just, they're just, literally thrown on the scrap heap and then those toxic elements actually leach into into the soil into the groundwater what an absolute disaster what what a catastrophe um now uh be, before we move on to what we do about this and, and you can answer this as 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 actually two questions so so and answer these as briefly as 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 you as you can because we've already spoken for so long i'm really enjoying this i'd love to speak to you longer but i, I don't know how many listeners are still tuning in but anyway okay first of all where do you stand on nuclear Oh, I, I actually caused there to be an experiment at ANSTO where we bombarded a thorium target with high-energy particles generated by a one uh, MeV particle accelerator, which ANSTO had, uh, to mm -hmm. check whether we could make a, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it now, a, uh, a thorium reactor, mm -hmm. which uh, an that's the word I thought an accelerated driven thorium reactor. I am absolutely 100%, in fact, 200% in favor of nuclear energy. When mm -hmm. I first 
started up an engineering consultancy, you wouldn't believe it, but one of the persons who applied for a job with me was a chief scientist from the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is 1997, he said, you Australians are the stupidest people I've ever met. You we pull our you, uranium out of the ground oh, and we see just uranium the deposits. Yeah. If you really want to stop nuclear proliferation, what you should do is refurbish nuclear reactor rods. You actually rent the nuclear reactor rods to anybody who has a nuclear reactor. And if they don't bring those rods back, you don't give them any more refined uranium. Right. Okay. So can, in other words, you, you can you can stop that. Seven, he said you would easily earn a trillion dollars a year just from that industry if you did it. Yeah. That's. Right. I mean, we have we are governed by truly stupid people. Now, and- all right. This see this raises a really uh, uh, like a question that has just gnawed at my mind for so long, and that that is it, it's the Hanlon's razor, um, you know, um, aphorism, right? Ne- never never ascribe to malice what what can be easily explained by stupidity. But certainly with the with the COVID debacle, I felt like we we passed the. Uh, we, we passed the, the limits of Hanlon's razor pretty early on. Like it just wasn't possible for, um, everyone in, in, in the bureaucracy, uh, to be that freaking stupid. You know, they just couldn't all be that dumb. I'll grant you down in the, in, in the lower orders of the bureaucracy, they, they're probably, they probably are pretty dumb. Um, higher up though, they couldn't possibly have been that stupid. And so at some point you, you know, stupid, stupid doesn't explain enough and you've got to go to the other, other possibility, which is malice. So where, yeah, where, where do you stand on that? Stupid oh, 100% on- with you. There, there are, there, you know, I, I, at the beginning of this uh, conversation that we were having, I told you that most humans uh, usually are binary in that they pick one thing that's causing them grief. Mm. But in this case, the nuclear industry has been suppressed by the coal industry because yep. the coal okay. industry saw that yep. as yep. being a major competitor and yep. they no longer and they have vast lobbying power. I mean, the coal industry has enormous lobbying yep. power. Yep. Mm. But they, they don't feel that way any longer, by the way, because they, they now export a lot of coal overseas. Yep. So they're not worried if the if there happens to be competitors for coal here, namely nuclear. Yeah, right, 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 right. The Chinese Communist Party. The last mm. thing the Chinese Communist Party wants is for Australia to be a nuclear power, mm. for, chi- for Australia to be able to refine uranium to the point where we could have nuclear weapons. Yep. Now, a lot of people in this country, for some reason or another, a cultural cringe, think, oh, Australia shouldn't have nuclear weapons. Well, China's got nuclear weapons. Israel's got nuclear weapons. South Africa. Well, they only just admitted that. I mean, the rest of the world's known that for years and they've always denied it. And then suddenly, you know, while they're busy bombing the crap out of Palestine, someone pops up and says, well, we could nuke them. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. like, oh, well, thanks for actually admitting it, you know, putting it out on the table and, and telling the, the truth. Yes, Israel has nukes and they've had them for a long time. And as a long-serving member in the Defence Force, I can tell you that we could have acquired nuclear weapons over a long weekend if we needed to. The F-111 was deliberately purchased so it could deliver nuclear ordnance mm-hmm. um, as far as Jakarta without actually pointing to them as being the, the target of our yes, intentions, which, which they weren't, by the way. I, I've already explained to you that 
our thinking in the 1980s at least was how can we help our neighbours be prosperous and happy? Mm. Because if we can succeed in that, then we will have an ally. Yeah, and they're actually less play tennis threat. against uh, yeah. Indonesia. Except, except for poor old East Timor, though. You know, let's, let's screw them. We 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 want we want the natural gas because. Well, no, no, but but honestly, it, it's really complex. That Whitlam gave the Indonesians Timor, East Timor. Yes, Whitlam I know. He, he he sold Timor out. That, that gave New Guinea independence when they were nowhere near ready to take it on, mm. right? And once again, you come to this, I wonder whether it was incompetence or whether it's part of the whole thing because Whitman was a Fabian, so was Hawke, and yes. they are, the, the, their, um, um, what do you call it, their um, their emblem is a wolf in sheep's clothing. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Anyone who doubts this, by the way, look it up. You know, yeah. that, 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 that uh, logo of the Fabian Society is literally a, a wolf who has draped itself in you know the the hide of a dead sheep yeah so yeah. i mean you, you can't it, it's like when, when people when people tell you who they are believes them and you know <laughs> almost half the population of east timor was murdered by the indonesians yeah by indonesian militia back militias right not the indonesians back in not back in jakarta but yeah. they the peripheral organizations were absolutely murderous to the Christians in East Timor. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a really Australia was right to move in. And then once again, because of incompetence and so forth, we could not get it right. Mm. And we, and, you know, we did not handle it well. And we still don't handle it well because a condition we should have imposed upon the East Timorese was that they would energetically teach English as a second language and they would remove the embargo that no one in government can participate in government in, in, in Timor unless they speak Portuguese, okay? Now that, that that's the sort of nonsense that's going on up in Timor. So they are, they've got a long way to go. Yeah. And they're doing certain things which will keep them impoverished. Mm. And, and giving people access to a lot of money from gas you only end up with what you have in Saudi Arabia, which is a lot mm. of people from the government teat who have totally lost any drive or imagination. And, and then there's a vast underclass that, that that does, you know, quite literally the dirty work. Yeah. Yeah. So there, you know, it, the world's never perfect, and and there are a whole oh, lot of is, things that, that are not right there.